What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, Austin, Del Rio, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and people down in Laredo. All right, you're tuned into Wednesday, the hump day edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, Mr. Sam spinning the one and twos for you today. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Your number to participate is 1 800 707 9760. And this first segment of the day is going to be sponsored by King Teriyaki. Keep in mind, they are located on 101 South Ash Street out in Pearsall. They are open Thursday through Sunday from 5.30 to 9 p.m. They serve teriyaki chicken, of course, beef shrimp, choice of fried rice or white rice. And also, they have the best-selling drink, which is the Thai tea. So you got to go ahead and uh, try that. That is King Teriyaki, official sponsor of the Sports Crime. 1-800-707-9760. If you know what you want to talk about, it is open phone lines. Feel free to give us a call. Anything that uh, we are discussing today or we discussed yesterday and you have an opportunity to call, you can parlay that over today. We just ask you to be patient doing the breaks and segments, and we'll try to get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, if you need to reach out to me or follow me on Twitter, it is at Sports Grind. And also, if you want to participate in the show and leave comments, you can stream the show and you can go to the business page, which is of Facebook of Sports Grind Entertainment, or you can go to my personal Facebook page and stream the show and leave comments, and we'll read those accordingly if we get to them or I'll respond to them later. And if you ever missed any of the shows live, all you have to do is go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the daily podcast daily. 1-800-707-9760. What's up, Mr. Clark? Ready to rock and roll. All right, Mr. Sams. What's up, fellas? How we doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. It is Wednesday, halfway through the week. Uh, still trying to stay cool as we roll down here in South Texas area. Got a lot to get to today in the sports world. Of course, the NBA Finals, which will start there shortly, but it resumes tonight in Game 3. Uh, look at the keys, in my opinion, to uh, both teams to try to get a victory in Game 3. Some other questions I want to look at in that series regarding to where they're at. And this is just based off of what we've seen in through two games. I mean, I'm giving my opinion uh over and over again on, you know, this particular series, uh, you know, beforehand. But now that we've got two games of data, just want to uh, get some thoughts on going forward to tonight. The Celtics are coming in at a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Boston as the series switches over. Um, also, some other NBA. Uh, speaking of the finals, which we'll get to, I thought it was very interesting because – According to a study, okay, and let me just get this right because I remind myself who did the study on this. Uh, Sports Business Journal, okay, pretty much said that game one of the NBA Finals was the least watched finals um, since the Spurs and Cavs 07. And I remember... Uh, being on air at that time, and I remember it was a big deal with the ratings because we hadn't seen ratings that low in a while for Spurs and Cavs, and that's kind of when it all started about, oh, the league doesn't want to see us, blah, blah, blah. But to notice that, considering that's kind of surprising to me a little bit, Notice uh, considering that, you know, Boston and their market um, and considering Golden State when you talk about Steph and you talk about, and I'll just leave it right there. Just, just say when you talk about Steph. I won't even add Draymond and Clay, but 
just Steph, that's kind of surprising that it drew that low. Uh you know, because you got, oh, keep in mind, you got a young generation of kids that's maybe from the age of like 10, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old that are Golden State Warrior fans just basically off of, you know, Stephen Curry. Um, so I thought that was surprising. But also, what do you want to add to that for? Well, just do, do you think that it's, we talked about before about the fatigue factor. It's 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 the Warriors for the sixth time in eight years. This is banner number eighteen for the Boston Celtics, and there's a lot of uh, fan bases that don't want to see Boston win just for their lo- their the longevity of their success and the and and the oversaturation more recently of the Golden State Warriors. And when you look at the star power, I mean, like you said, it's the Steph factor, and it, we've had multiple conversations throughout these playoffs about. Do the Boston do the Boston Celtics really have star power? Has Jason Tatum arrived? Marcus Smart's had some uh, up and down series. Uh, we debated before about whether uh, Jalen Brown is a top twenty five NBA talent. Is, is there really enough to even carry this? Combined with the fact that it's the fatigue of Celtics too much over time and Warriors too much in the last eight years. Well, I've been talking uh, for the last couple of weeks about Golden State fatigue from fans, from the media, and everything like that. But there's some factors that, but not not really to justify being the lowest series since the 07 Spurs and Cavs. I could see why that series was rated low. Um, but this is not to sit there and say it should be one of the highest rated or so, but to sit there and say it's the lowest since then, since 07, it's been a lot of finals we played since 07. We're in 2022. So that to me was a little bit surprising. And in the same report by the sports business journal, um, the Spurs was brought up and they've just completed their fourth consecutive, uh, dip in ratings four years straight. They have dropped, I think since the season of 2015 and 16 season, they have dropped 74% in ratings. Um, I know Bally Sports is involved now. The kind of taking over that thing. Um, that says a lot of things to me. I mean, now that right there is not shocking to me. I mean, I've been kind of, I don't know. I didn't know the exact numbers of that, but that's not that surprising, but there's a different, there's a lot of different factors in that. And the really, it just comes down to what I've always said about the city that I live in and love is just where we are when it comes to sports towns and when it comes to how we support our teams. Because you can go, like, when we, when we talk about championship teams in in sports, not just basketball, and especially teams that are considered having a dynasty run, and I think the Spurs – um, in my opinion, even though they didn't really go back to back, they 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 were a dynasty run over twenty years stretch. So, to me, you can go look at other teams that have had multiple titles, and you can go through probably their lean years. Um, and we talk about some of the even in some of the other what I would say sports towns. And I'd bet anybody a dollar to a donut that they wouldn't have dropped four consecutive years in a row through lean years. And it just goes down to the fabric of the the market they play in and then the passion. And really, considering that they – because that's one aspect of it. And then, again, it's the ticket sales, which we've already talked about enough on this show. 
but that's really glaring even more to me when it's a one-dog pony town when it comes to sports. Not compete with anything else. So um, those are the things that eventually they matter. And those are things that eventually would be looked at under the normal circumstances on how a franchise is ran, especially with true ownership. So we'll see. I mean, it, it, it's it's a lot of factors into that. But to me, before I get into, because I know some people, oh, well, it's pop. It's, you know, it's it's just political views. It's this, is that, yeah, you, you know, you can contribute a little bit of that. But to me, the glaring thing is just really who we are, what our makeup is of, of, of being sports fans down here. It's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. We're never going to be. And, you know, I know a lot of people say, man, you always bring this up about our town. And I understand that, but it, I pointed out, but I, and trust me, I know we're never going to become a sports town. I mean, you can add another professional team in here and we and become that sports town. Now, we've got more people coming from East Coast, West Coast, uh, Mexico, everybody else and their mama's moving to San Antonio and in Texas. So you you have a, a do different type of melting pot coming in, but still, it's, it's just what it is. Don't need to spend too much time because we got a lot of other stuff to get to. But just just came across my radar. So with in in light of this, are you still um, kind of critical of the team for looking for games outside of the city and and looking for support outside of the city and try, attempting to grow their footprint? When you look at the numbers are going down and this seems like a business reaction by the team? No, it doesn't make me feel another way because I feel like if you address some of the problems and work on the product on the field, on the court, all that will start taking coming back. Okay? Like I said, the, the, the UTSA Roadrunners are the best example to support my theory with that is how they were treated this year. In regards to now, it, it was a lot of campaigning by Jeff Trailer, but it came out the, the, the heels of them winning being the best team in Conference USA. This town wants to support winners. Okay? That's just what it is. Um, but moving on, um, other NBA news, uh, Frank Vogel is going to interview for the Utah Jazz job. Um, not that shocking. Um, you wonder if they're going to make a – you wonder if they're going to – and I don't know, maybe he's not even interested, but you wonder if they're going to put Mark Jackson on the radar. Um, I've talked about how I feel about Mark Jackson's situation and not getting another opportunity. Um, you know, nothing to uh, poo-poo on Darvin Ham. You know, Rasheed Wallace was added as an assistant on that bench. And let me tell you, that's all about Anthony Davis. Rasheed Wallace getting added to that bench is all about, because him and Dar- Darvin Ham's personality, he was a Texas Tech Red Raider, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day. Um, and he was he was feisty. And we all know what Rasheed is, but that's all because those two guys, and especially Rasheed Wallace, is going to be in Anthony Davis's ass and pushing him and doing whatever they can to get this guy's body right and stay healthy. That's what that is. Yeah, I say Sam gave me the quotation. I hit the pause on that one. I thought that was just too much, right? Too early for that, but I got you, Sam. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, man, so that that's interesting. But moving on to some other things. Also, um, in the college world, okay, and I didn't really have this on the docket that I originally uh, sent to Jonas today, but it, 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 I, I really because I forgot. And then this is something that we'll probably try to get through as much through. But Duke, everybody knows they're making a change, and Coach K is retired. I forgot my guy's name, who they got, the guy that's coming in from him. We're going to find him out pretty soon. Who is it, Sam? You the basketball guy. You know. John Shire. John Shire. Okay, well, John and the Dukies, they've made history, and they've started something. 
they've hired the first general manager in college sports to manage players and NIL deals. She's and this is a woman, by the way. She is a former Nike employee. And we're off. Okay. And see, this is where it comes down to everybody's trying to figure this thing out and what's going on. But the first GM in college. Surprising is basketball instead of football first. But, you know, basketball, they've been doing, you know, tractors and bags of cash. What was it, Happy? You bought a kid a tractor? Was it a tractor, Happy? Jones, I bet you don't even know where that quote's from. I know. Hey, that's know. probably before your time. You don't even know. Damn. Tweet out there. I know Sam knows. That's too easy for Sam. I wonder who could tweet out first to know that. You bought a kid. There goes Happy running for the cash machine. Got the best money players can buy. Got the best players money can buy. Every time that comes on, I'll be flipping and damn it, I'll be like, man, I've seen this like a hundred times and I get stuck. You know, probably one of the most underrated sports movies of uh, of all time. But anyway, all right. So, yeah, so think about that. General manager, former Nike employee. And I've got one question about the NIL, and it's really for Sam, because I know we talked about this, and I want to know if there's one angle that we haven't thought about, and really are we okay with that. But we'll try to get to fit that in before we get out of here. So you have that. NFL news continues to roll on as we get into mandatory OTAs. Uh, as I'm pretty sure you heard in the update ticker, uh, Baker Mayfield has an excused absence from mandatory OTAs. That's not a shocker. Uh, but really what is surprising is that basically the New York uh, Times has done their own investigation. Sometimes I wonder, like, man, is New York Times, is it, is it like a publication of newspaper writers? Or do they have a, are they investigating firm? Like they, I mean, they, they put time for these guys and paid him, by the way, to go out and dig, dig. But the, according to the New York Times has come out and they've done their own investigation. Speaking of Mr. Deshaun Watson, Mr. Watson, and says that in a 17 month period, if I remember correctly, he pretty much reached out to 66 women in a 17-month period about massages, okay? First of all, there's, a, there's about 60, 60, 70% of men that's listening to this show right now, young men and all that, that ain't even contacted 66 women in the last seven, eight years for any reason. So put that in perspective, 66 women in 17 months. Now, the kicker to this is because the old Texans, the whole McNair family, okay, in this same investigation, they said, wait a minute, the Texans assisted him in some of these contacts and provided him with non-disclosure agreements. And then when I saw that, I'm like, bingo, that's my theory. That, that, if that report is true and the New York Times has done thorough investigation, that pretty much does not make my theory far-fetched that the Texans, led by the McNair family, said, oh, really? We just gave you this money and you don't want to play with us? And you're demanding a trade? And you dwindle me out of a no-trade clause before you and you're crying up there with your mom and saying, oh, where we come from? And and you did this to me? Okay, we're going to let everybody know what you into. But little did they know, they were going to get dug on too to say, hey, y'all were, y'all, y'all, y'all drove the getaway car. Okay? Um, and, you know... I think we're going to get hit every other day with stuff leaking from this trial. 
and and it's just and to me, I'm convinced. Uh, I was now looking at this. I was wrong by thinking. I think that theory is dead from the whole thing. The NFL hasn't put him on the exempt list. They had. They don't. They haven't suspended him because they really don't want to. Because they really don't want his credit. I think that I, I will admit. I think that was wrong in that one. Because obviously, to me now, they these maybe the women are telling the truth in regards to they don't feel like their voice was heard by the NFL and the NFL and the league office. They are waiting for this civil trial to complete because they knew that there was stuff that was going to come out of this, whether they didn't have to spend money on their own dime to really research or they were in denial. But man, I mean, it, with, with the more information, that, just from an optic standpoint, and and to me. I don't know if all this is coming out like this. If he doesn't break the bank and get that kind of contract and money and filling women saying, oh, you rewarded him for that. You rewarded that creep for that. Um, it, Just from an optic standpoint, it's going to be hard for him to escape a half a season at least. Okay. So this is really interesting, but this is going to be probably brought up on the show for days because something's going to leak out every day and every day in this. So there's a few other things. We'll get in the document. We'll get back. We'll jump right into game three tonight in the B-Town. Boston is a Golden State Warriors travel to Boston. The series tied 1-1. We'll look at that when we get back. You listen for the sports grind. We're broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back. Ready for a real cocktail? Introducing new Zing Zang ready-to-drink cocktails in a can. America's number one Bloody Mary mix with vodka. Zing Zang margaritas, tequila included. And whiskey sours with real Kentucky bourbon. Ready for no one to have to bartend. Real cocktails, real ingredients, really good. New Zing Zang full-strength canned cocktails. Legendary taste, legendary day. Always ready. Go to ZingZang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Way to Grow. Way to Grow is a full-service landscaping company that can handle all your residential or commercial needs, and they'll give you a free estimate if you go to waytogrow.net. That is Way to Grow, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. So we got a lot of response. So we did we get a lot of people figured out real quick. Uh, I know Kansas City Rob on the. Uh, so what was it, Joe? What did you find out? Which you couldn't tell me what it was. Yeah. So congratulations to Kansas City Rob. You were the first one on Twitter. I see you, Davi. You were right behind him. It was a photo finish there. But you don't want to know. Uh, so it's and we had uh, Josh Josh Medina checking in on Facebook as well. Um, talking about the, this time frame. Uh, what year did that movie come out? 1994. Damn. It released on February 18th, 1994. uh, There's a reason why you don't know it or you haven't seen it yet. How old were you then? I was just turning three. Man, I was in them streets already, man. And you you were just turning three. God, that's crazy. Yeah, one of the best. I think, to me, that scene at the end... You know, when I kind of what I was telling you about, no, it was a spaceship. Remember, ha <laughs> that scene of a speech by Nick Nolte and probably 
um, Al Pacino's speech in, in any given Sunday was probably in sport movies. Probably, and I'm I'm probably missing some, but those are my two like probably up there speeches as coaches in a movie. What you got, Sam? Yeah, further proof you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. Blue Chips is only at thirty seven percent on there. Oh my goodness! Criminally underrated. Yeah, like that's just somebody that's not even in a sports movie, whatever. That don't make any damn sense. Like, well, come on, man! It has been added to my Amazon watch list. Yeah, you gotta go watch that, man. You gotta watch that. But anyway. All right, so the NBA Finals uh, game three tonight. The scene switches to Boston. Uh, keys to victory. Uh, the, the, first of all, um, there's been a lot of talk a little bit between. Of course, when you got three days off or whatever it is between finals, you're going to get you know players that have to honor their media commitments, and you might get some sound bites here and there, and you get a lot of things said. Uh, Draymond's been talking a lot. Like, Draymond is really soaking in, thinking, like, hey, maybe we won't get back here again. I know because he's got diarrhea of the mouth right now. Um, talking about the old school ways and all that. He's really feeling himself. He's relaxed. So I'm expecting Draymond. I mean, Draymond's in a situation to where, um, you know, he hasn't really shot the ball well uh, this series. Uh, but he's done other little things. You know, he was credited a lot for his intensity defensively leading the way in game two. But I'm going to see how he backs this up over the next couple of days. And, I, and unfortunately, what you got to ask about in the NBA finals is who's refing and how the refs going to call this one tonight. And, and there's going to be a lot of scrutiny based off of Gundy's comments, Mark Johnson, Mark Jackson's comments, excuse me, that kind of rubs Sam the wrong way. That's going to be it's going to be under the spotlight tonight on what kind of what Draymond shows up and how do the refs handle it um, from the Boston side. Before I even get into the Golden State Keys, I think from the Boston side, um, you know, this is a team that has ten has pretty much played a little bit better on the road in the playoffs than they have at home. Even though this has still been a – I've been saying this is a tough environment uh, to play in in this playoff, speaking of Boston. Uh, but I think if you're Boston, uh, for one, you can't, you, you, you can't get into this situation with Draymond Green. I mean, you've got to be disciplined and just stick to what has gotten you here. I mean, I'm pretty sure Adoka, you know, especially the tree he's from, he's going to be, you know, preaching that to them. I think also it's key for Boston to get off to a good start. Um, being a young team and being not having that much experience um, on their squad, the one thing you don't want to do is even though the series is tied 1-1 and you had a 1-0 lead, the one thing you do not want to do is get off to a bad start and have to chase Golden State uh, because that's not going to be – uh, a good recipe to be successful to uh, protect home court, and that's going to be a daunting task. Um, I think also, you know, with Williams being kind of banged up, and and you know, they're going to have to, you know, Al Horford. I'm also interested to see how is Al Horford going to bounce back from being really a non-factor in Game Two, based off of him being pretty much the player of the game in Game One. How is he going to do coming back home? Um, you know, how they are, can they limit the turnovers? You know, they had a gang of turnovers. Uh, you know, I really feel like if they didn't have a lot of turnovers in that first half, they might have had a lead at halftime in game two, even with Golden State. But can they limit those turnovers? Uh, cause they, you just can't even beat a team like Golden State with that many turnovers, even though you got to give credit to Golden State's defense. But that's what I'm looking like for Boston. And when I say a lot of players have been talking, 
and not as much as Dream On, but Jason Tatum. You know, it, you, I, I've heard clips from Jason Tatum in regards to asking questions like, when did the superstar question about me get started? Did I tweet out something about that? You know, this and this. Like, hey, man, you, you, you're not supposed to be paying attention to that. Not right now. I mean, and maybe that goes along why he's been inconsistent up and down. But for him to bring that up, that lets me know he's on his, on his mind. And does he press coming back at home? You know, because I told y'all after game one when people, well, that's that's I'm worried if I pick Golden State because Tatum, I'm like, Tatum can lay those games down. He could have another one, you know, even though he had a way better game in game two than he did game one, but it was still in the loss. So on the Golden State side, though, to be victorious, and I think he's going to win the, the series, even though they won game two, I think me personally, they have to, the, the only way they're beating Boston, four out of seven, is they've got to play Golden State basketball of the ball movement and screens and screen them to death and pick and roll them to death. I'm going to give Adoka enough credit, and I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt because, for one, he has a body of work already this year that we've seen how they started off slow, and then we've seen him make adjustments in the playoffs. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt. And he was able to pull Neil along, so he's going to get benefit of the doubt of that as well. But my point is, I'm pretty sure I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt to figure out something on this pick and roll. Because they pick and roll, they ask to death with Steph in game two. I think Adoka will find something to kind of limit that. So to me, I think it's no one, look, you know, the, the one of the biggest keys I think also to game two and what's made it different is that Gary Payton Jr. is back. And that's the guy, like Draymond is the is the safety on the defensive side. He's the free safety. But this particular Warrior uh, Golden State team, Peyton Jr. is the is 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 the knack is the is the defensive worker beyond the perimeter and the guards and stuff. I thought that was a it put everybody natural back in place for defensive wise for Golden State. Okay, I mean that's that that was key. And to me, with even if you look at Clay, you look at Jordan Poole, I don't believe any of these. They cannot win this series for trying to beat. Boston's defense off the dribble because I think there's going to be too much attention. So ball movement, just watch how that ball movement goes. If they're going to be Victoria, I think that is key and keep in mind, even in game two, they won. They missed a lot. Speaking of golden state, they missed a lot of layups. They missed a lot of chippies at the rim. You know, I think they've got to be more aggressive because, because Boston is continually going to press them and be in their chest. And the other key tonight, I hate to say it, but I'll say it again. The refs in foul trouble. I mean, what team is going to be able to get more in foul trouble? But make no mistake about it. Told y'all before we played game one. I said it after they lost game one when the whole fan base and media and local media overreacting in regards to, oh, where to go to state, this and that, is that they were going to get one of these games in Boston. And I'm interested to see in the Golden State Championship runs, this is the ultimate slapback position where they're in. When they come out and say, oh, we gave you home court event, and they're going to snatch it right back from you. I want to see that. I believe that they're going to win tonight. Now, if they don't win tonight, I think they can still handle being down 2-1 to get. They're going to get one of these games in Boston. I will be extremely shocked if this goes back to the Bay 3-1 Boston. All right? So that's really what the keys are, what we're going to see tonight. I think it's important. I mean, the adjustments and really the one thing I didn't bring up in that whole segment, um, I don't think this third quarter thing's a fluke with Golden State. It hasn't been. They've won every third quarter, but you know what's crazy? Boston's been a good third quarter team 
post-All-Star break in the season and even in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference run, they've been that team to come out with their hair on fire in the third quarter. But they've kind of met their match. So that third quarter tonight, okay, especially for my people out there to take place in that whole, you know, wagering type of stuff, you really want to look in key on that third quarter. Because the third quarter, you would like to think Boston going to do everything possible, whether they're down at halftime, up or halftime, they're going to do everything possible to try to win that third quarter. And the one last thing, Clay Thompson, in years past, I mean, Clay's talking about, yeah, man, I went back and looked at some Oaks AC tape when I go struggle, I go look at this, you know, things like that. I, you know, Steve Kerr thinks he's pressing a little bit. Um, but I feel that this is no, and Clay, I, I'm giving him a year. He needs a year to get back fully. But I believe Clay, after the game, disappointing game he had in game two, one of these Clay Thompsons on the road type of games are going to show up. I don't think it's OKC game six type of Clay. I don't think he's that guy at this point anymore. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy again, but I think he's going to be a lot better than what he has this season because his legs are going to get stronger. But, you know, 20. 23, 25, maybe high 19. One of these games in game three or four. And what's crazy about it is I think he's their leading scorer during the playoffs. Speaking of Clay. And 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 I think with Clay, Clay and also Clay's not really going to beat anybody off the dribble right now. But what Clay can do is come off screen. He can find open space when he's hitting. And all he needs to do is see one go in. Remember, nice fun fact. This is a guy who scored 60 points in an NBA game. Off of 16 dribbles only. Think about that. You can score 60 points in an NBA game and you only dribble the ball 16 times. The guy can explode anytime, even on one good leg. Okay? Should be interesting. But a lot of pressure on the referees tonight, though. A lot of pressure on the referees tonight. That's why I feel that the NBA, I'll, I'll keep saying it till blue in the face in regards to why, as long as I have a platform. They need to have the same officiating crew for every game in the NBA Finals. Maybe not every round of the playoffs, but when you get to the finals, they need to have the best of the best stay in that series and ref. So, there, so at least each team, the fans... Uh, the commentators, the sports betting world, the analysts, everybody knows what to expect. We don't know what to expect tonight. But that's a big part of this game, the way it's going to be officiated. But if you were to keep the same officiating crew, how do you, how do you hold the them accountable for not letting an incident in game two roll over to game four and, and make a difference because of the way a player talked back to them? Um, at doing one what they always the do. You 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 send them a letter, heads of officials. You have a conference call. You have a, a, a Zoom meeting and saying, "Hey, this is what we missed the other night. This is what we got to look for. It's cool to let them play." You do it the same way they can do. That ain't nothing. It, at least it, it, my point is, they're gonna know what to expect. That's all I'm saying. In a four out of seven, you know what to expect, especially in a series that is two three days apart in between games. It's no need to have this conversation. Oh, how's it going to be called tonight? Well, are they going to give Draymond his second tech if if, if he acts up again? Are they going to have the, the 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 stones to go ahead and give it to him? We wouldn't have to have all those conversations, you know. Um, what do we think about Steve Kerr's comparison with Steph and who he brought him up to? Speaking of Tim Duncan, he said that he felt that he felt that. Kerr is like he said. He felt that Curry's a lot. Paraphrasing him, 
is a lot like Tim because he's he's kind of like he used the word like kind of cocky and flashy on the court, but very humble off the court. I'm thinking like, damn, I know you sat by him and traveled by him and took passes from him, but I don't remember Tim Duncan being that cocky on the court. I don't even remember him talking trash that much to the court. But he said they're both assassins. They both remind him of the of the same type of uh, type of player. Which I've always said Tim was a killer too. Tim had that killer instinct in him. But I don't see it, like I see what he's saying about Steph. That's what I say. People, are, oh, I'm tired of his arrogance. Yeah, you know he shimmies, he does this, whatever. But if you see him off the court and the way he talks off the court, he's very he's one of the most humble athletes uh, out there in professional sports. But I just when he made that comment, I'm like, I don't remember Tim being that much of flash or or kind of cocky on the way to play. Maybe he did on the cool. Maybe there's things you had to be on the court to hear. Or maybe it was just one of those things, unless you were in the arena or between the lines, you don't know that by just picking it up on TV or watching it from the stands. I don't know where Steve was coming from, but he was on the team. You want to ring with, with Tim, so you can't just shoot him down totally. Well, I know a lot of post players have, have spoken in recent years about the comments that he would make. And it, even if it's not so boisterous, mm. it, it's kind of just like it, it's ticky tacky. And it's, a, it's like. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things where he could definitely get in your head and, and for sure. And I also don't think that Steph is as humble enough off the court for that comparison either. Wow. You're saying he's not humble off the court? Okay, what you got, not Sam? Not humble enough. Off okay, the- what you got, yeah, Sam? Yeah, picking back off of what Jonas said, that, that, that's the thing. I think it was more post-playing career where a lot of these guys started uh, you know, talking openly about how uh, how good of a trash talker Duncan was because he mm. could get under. Specifically, I remember, you know, first one that comes to mind is Dirk when yeah. he was young talking about how Duncan would just mentally, uh, basically mentally break him and, <laughs> and just d- destroy his any confidence he had as a young player. And it, yeah. it was, you know, a, a five-year worth of, uh, you know, taking it before he could actually mm. uh, push back on anything. Yeah, good. That's, that's true. Good take. Oh, those are the good old days, missed them. Wasn't 74% decline in four years then, was it? Been a while. And I've seen some of the comments. I don't know, man. When we get to them, I've got to, there's some that I've got to hit pause on on this whole uh, decline in rate. Y'all are, y'all are doing some go-go gadget arm reaches on uh, trying to give excuses and they're trying to throw ballys on the bus, man. I, I Yeah, okay. They just now switched to ballys, damn it, last year. Like, come on, man. You know, but we'll get to that as well, too. Also, we got some other things on the docket we'll talk about when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. We're broadcasting here from Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, Mr. Sandspin, the one and twos. We'll be back.